Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. Hey, George, I can think of at least six and a half reasons why you should be excited to talk about this movie tonight. I love how you start every episode with a pun. Mm. Or not really a pun, but like, you know, like a reference. shadow reference. Yeah, I just, I love how he like always thinks something up. He's so creative, Dan. I got to put in the work, man. I got to bring our listeners into the fold, grab really them by the it. ears and say, if that song wasn't good enough, now we've made it a silly joke. Word. <laughs> I envy you. <laughs> we watched David Fincher's... I admire you. I admire fantastic you. Uh, 90s, 90thon, super influential, mm. murder spree, noir... Slasher Fest Seven. It's it's better now than when I first watched it. I think. I it's, mean, I think it's good. very it's very Jallo inspired. Yeah. Um, well, it's noir inspired. Yeah. French coats. French coats. French coats. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Fedoras. <laughs> trench coats. Fedoras. French. French tr- trench coats. Trench coats. Fedoras. <laughs> Dancing French clown or coats. Tradoras. Tradoras and French coats. Jallos share uh, the noir background with this movie but i i would say that this is much more hearkening back to the american cinema of the 30s and 40s hmm. it does borrow some giallo oh yeah uh, i mean from, i mean there's like some the not being able to see his face slasher overlap and stuff yeah too. yeah the shadows the shadows the coloring the yeah scenery i yeah, mean i could argue that that predates even the american noir but maybe you'll have to wait till we watch that movie i'm thinking about hey guys what's up <laughs> There's George's homework. Yeah, we're already on to next week's movie. So, guys, seven. Now, George, this is the last one for a while that you have seen before that we Mm. are revisiting in our kind of victory lap after season two ended to Mm. just re-review some of your favorite movies through the eyes of a person who's actually seen other movies now and see how the movies age uh, in front of your eyes. So, welcome back to that. Yeah. I think it's kind of fun. I, I I think we should continue throughout, just every once in a while, throwing one in that you've seen. Sure. But with a different eye. I, I think we'll get we'll get something out of it, because especially a movie like this where you feel like, oh, it's a great movie, I love it, and, and not having any influence, and now watching it and seeing, finding out you might love it more. That's how I feel. Like, I, I even after doing this show, I love this movie more because of things that I didn't know before. I don't know, man. I uh, I'm not gonna say I didn't like it because I I I liked it just as much as I liked it the first time I watched it. Actually, this movie, um, Travis, uh, right before I went to college, tried to fix me back then. <laughs> I mean, make make me a movie hazard. watcher, right? Back then. And um, this was one of the movies that he showed me. Hmm. I was like a senior in high school or something, just just about to go off to college, and um, and I was b- like blown away by it, like mind blown, yeah, by this movie. That has not changed. I 
I think when I was watching the movie the first time, I was really paying attention. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for tonight. Dude, it's 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 a damn near perfect movie. It's I, damn near perfect. The execution no, no is so good. Now, George, let's take your Fincher temperature real quick, if you'll indulge <laughs> okay. me. Have you ever sure. seen any of the following movies? Gone Girl? Gone Girl? No. The Social Network? Uh, was that like a documentary? No. No, it was a, like a biography, biographical story about um, uh, Zuckerberg and all the people that made Facebook. And they all lived no. happily ever after. Uh, no. Spoiler alert. Mm. <laughs> right. um, how about... He's working recent backwards. How about Zodiac? Okay. Mm, I've heard of Zodiac, but I... We brought I, it up a couple times. I have not seen it. Okay, now most important of all, have you ever seen the music video for the song We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off by Jermaine Stewart? What? No. What? Dude, that's like the most 80s video I can think of. I bring that up because David Fincher, before he did Alien 3, exclusively did the most 80s music videos you can think of. The guys okay. like The Outfield, Madonna, Jermaine Stewart, David Fincher was your guy. And then he did yeah. Alien 3, more music videos, and then this movie is like his first, like, his own IP movie. Can you believe the quality of his execution coming from the music video world? No. I mean, if he could do it, Rob Zombie's surely going to do great. Yeah, absolutely. This is a masterpiece. I... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, hearing that makes my mind hurt even more. Like I, I was introduced to him uh, apparently through music videos because I didn't know he did that video. But when I saw Alien Three, I was so looking forward to Alien Three that I bought the script a year and a half before the movie came out and I read it. Oh wow! And I could not. I found it at like some convention. It said Alien Three on the cover, and I'm like, well, yeah, I'm buying this because. You know, it had been 10 years since Aliens. And I'm like, I'm interested. And I read it, and it was really cool. And then when the movie came out, I liked it. A lot of people didn't. Then I found out that I really liked it because of the nuance, the 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 grittiness. Everything that, that happened in this movie was so the opposite of Aliens. Yeah. But it still was a good story and well done. So I guess I was a Fincher fan pretty early. But then I found out that his movie wasn't the one that was finished. Like, they butchered the shit out of it, and uh, the studio did. So, the, actually, the Fincher, right, cut, yeah. the Fincher cut is way better. It's, it's pretty much the script that I read. Hey, so before so, we go any further talking about Seven, I want to frame this conversation around Jermaine Stewart's video, just so George can understand <laughs> the leap. You, so, wait, I sent you a the, link. You don't have to take your clothes off that's oh, all oh yeah oh yeah so oh my god i'll cut all this out so we don't get in trouble with the copyright police but george take three minutes and watch this video <laughs> i can't wait to hear what you think okay <laughs> did you get the basic idea you don't need to finish the whole video i hate this song <laughs> what and i hate this video what I, I disagree with it, actually, in well, fact. You know, uh, the Reagan administration actually made him like an ambassador for a little bit. 
I'm for sure they did te- to teenage abstinence or whatever. I'm they were like, yeah, drinking, sh- sure drinking alcohol, underage, we're cool with that. But keeping your clothes on, that's the uh, Reagan way. But hey, uh, back so to seven. Back to seven, George. You can see the through lines from you know the camera angles and the jogging in place drummer on the electric kit. I mean, it's just yeah. Totally. You can see how he walked right on the set of seven and was just like, okay, let's just keep yeah. doing what I do. It's yeah, it's like uh, Fincher's been making um, quality material from day one. <laughs> My mind hurts right now. Like I, I would think that <laughs> if anyone hasn't seen this video, that's listening, it's please terrible. go watch it. Just yeah. pause this, go watch the video, come back. It's you'll yeah. I would have been not shocked if Dan said he directed a couple Nine Inch Nails videos. Or maybe well, a couple Metallica videos. Anyways, the point the of the matter. Like, the point of the matter is the video is terrible. is terrible. Oh, it's a wonderful video. You just have no um, heart. <laughs> hey, if so, I only had a heart. Yeah, I know. Seriously, uh, ten now that over song's here. gonna be in my head. <laughs> so, <laughs> the opening of Seven, not the Wait, cold open, clues? but like I'm the punch that guy in the face. The credits. I'm sorry, Dan. Go ahead. The credits of Seven. Oh, feel yeah, so a awesome. lot like a tool video yes or a nine inch nails video it, nails. it helps that like they're scoring it with the remix of a nine inch nails song mm-hmm. but aesthetically mm-hmm. visually if you didn't know what song was playing it looks like kind of like sober the tool video yeah same mm-hmm. kind of mid 90s scary grunge aesthetic what are those guys industrial is that what they are oh tool yeah, Tool, Nine Inch Nails, uh, those guys. It's not grunge, but it's like they're, grunge. They're in metal, grunge. I guess. Grunge metal. I think that's what they used to call it back then, like that disturbed. Pearl Jam you know, with an attitude Pearl, problem. Pearl Jam with, with like what is, skulls. What is new metal? That's like corn and Limp Bizkit. That's mm. the stuff my kids mm. swear is limp, not real music. Limp Bizkit? Limp Bizkit. Bizkit. Uh, can we? Can I we? can't believe Corn and Limp Bizkit are in the same genre. Yeah, they used mm. to tour together with Rammstein. Oof! But I like Rammstein, so I will not say mean things about them. So picture me, 1995. Okay, you had more a lot hair. more hair then. Yeah, more. A hair. lot more hair. Less, wow. less belly. Wow, we both went there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was like working at the movie theater. Mm-hmm. This movie. I might have watched the opening credits about 180 times. Like, I would set my watch to go every time this this movie would probably play about six times a day. Mm-hmm. And I would watch the opening credits every time. Like, this movie was the kind of movie that I so went... So six times a day, you watched it 180 times. I What's worked it for nine... It's a month's worth of working at the movie theater? At least. Yeah. But... There were about nine scenes in this movie that I would go stand in the back of the theater and watch. Like mm. that, that the ending, I probably watched that the same amount of times. Like it was, I probably I this and a few good men movies like that where you just there's like certain parts of the movie where you you have to watch it. My cousin Vinny, like I would put this DVD on and just go to those chapters three times a day. I could and watch them over and over and over. Like there's just so many. But the credits, normally you don't sit and watch credits. Yeah. But it's just so cutting edge for the time. Like he was, a lot of people tried to copy this afterwards, but this was like what one of the first movies that did that 
like the credits were a little bit of a its own little cinema. Yep. Tells the whole story in the credits, pretty much. If you pay attention. I still can't believe this is New Line Cinema. Hmm. I can't believe anything about this movie. This movie should never have happened. On paper, this movie blows. Because you've got the Freddy Krueger, Jason Goes to Hell studio. Mm -hmm. Right after Jason Goes to Hell. Taking the guy who directed We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off and half of Alien 3. Mm. And you're going to have him direct Brad Pitt, who Who I love now in his new stuff, but 12 Monkeys era Brad Pitt. And he it's just like, I don't A-list know. A-list when this movie came out. I know, I don't get it. He, yeah, he started he just, off... Fight Club? He, that was later. My, yeah, it was later, but I mean, it's the same Fight time. Fight Club's later. He's growing into yeah. Fight Club, Brad Pitt. Growing into Fight Club, yeah. In this Which movie, is also Brad David Pitt, Fincher, right? So Meet Joe Black, right? I felt like Brad Pitt in this movie, to start, was like a little much with the acting, yes. right? And then by the actually, you know, it hit me like uh, that kid from Breaking Bad, Jesse. Like, have you guys seen Breaking Bad? I have not. No. Oh, jeez. We watch movies here, not TV okay shows. for <laughs> for everyone else in the world who's seen Breaking Bad. You'll know what I'm talking about. Jesse is a character where, like, when he first opens his mouth, you're like, "What is this dude? Mm. Seriously?" He's and at then, 11. Like, and then, like, by like season. I don't know how many seasons there were. Probably Basically, like Will Ferrell in every movie he's in. But like <laughs> by the by the end, or like by the by the middle of the series, like he's still talking like that. He's still acting like that. You're like, oh, that's just Jesse. It's it's mm-hmm. you know. But that's how kind of. But how in this, this movie, was. I think it's my by my, the time you get professional thought. By the time you get to the end, though, yeah, dude, the end. But he's that way the whole time. You you do need it. I do for have a question yes. for Mr. Pitt, though. What? what is going on just out of frame up and to the left? Because at the beginning of the movie, he delivers half of his lines up and to the left instead of looking at Morgan Freeman or anything else in frame. And then in the car ride out toward the end of the movie, he's looking mm. in that same spot while he's talking. I'm like, bro, what's over there? It Cue could cards? be direction. Could be direction. I think weird. he's he's accessing the creative part of his he, brain. No, I think the way I read it, he because I noticed that too. He doesn't make much eye contact, and I think he has confidence issues, which kind of, might be a character i IRL study or, thing or in the show or in the movie. I don't know. No, I think in the movie, I think it might be a character choice where he. He's playing from the beginning. He's playing somebody who's uh, a loose cannon. Like he's not. Yeah, he's the opposite of Morgan Freeman. He's supposed to be playing the opposite of calm, cool, collected veteran. Absolutely. You know, uh, by the book, uber educated, all that stuff. So he's playing the the street cop that became a detective. So he's like. I, I I when he's looking off, I just think he doesn't. He's not going to make eye contact with you because he's not really sure he believes his bullshit sometimes. And usually, when someone's lying or putting yeah. up a front, they don't make eye contact. Yeah, I heard that. Um, I kind of took it as like he's just kind of like aloof. He's aloof. Yeah, yeah. Like he was trying to act like aloof. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he was trying to act aloof. I think he was playing aloof. <laughs> 
That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, I, I think that was a character choice. Yeah. As in the acting world, they call that making choices. Like, when you see somebody make a choice, if they believe that choice, then you go along for that ride. If you, you don't believe, if they don't believe what they're doing, you're not going to believe what they're doing. So, when they make those choices, and it is a choice, they have to, and I think in this movie, in this context, it works. Maybe in 12 Monkeys it did not work, but in this it works because he's he's probably given the direction from the director and probably his acting uh, coach or maybe even himself. I have to be the opposite of Morgan Freeman, and I know what Morgan Freeman is, so I'm going to do the opposite. And he does that very well. Yeah. Agreed. Did you notice that this movie shares like the color palette with Batman Begins? And also, like, half the cast is also in Batman Begins. <laughs> That's a slight exaggeration. But I was surprised There's to see... There's only one. <laughs> no, uh, only one person? Mark Boone Jr., the guy who... He's like the stinky fed at the cafe. Yeah. He plays Flask. The stinky oh, fed. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Remember him, yeah. So I just thought that was Swear interesting. Swear to me! That for guy, him, yeah, that for that guy to pop up <laughs> in this movie that looks just like that other movie, but, you know, way different... Uh, modus operandi but i think we could all agree that there's a lot of this performance from he who shall not be named as john doe uh that's kind of convenient that he's john doe in this movie because we don't have to talk about him that Mm -hmm. much but he uh his performance toward the end of this movie does uh influence the joker's performance in dark knight quite a bit well i think the character of of the joker is a lot of things he does in the movie are taken from this movie. Oh yeah, for which sure. is one of the reasons why I wanted to watch it. Like it, it it's the whole giving himself up, and you know, uh, orchestrating this whole chaotic scheme to to get yourself to an end means, and it looks chaotic, but it's methodical. Who is this it's, guy? It, no prints, no records. Don't yeah. know anything. He likes knives. You know, this guy yeah. also had a gun, but Joker had a gun sometimes. They're not as personal. I didn't even think of that. Well, that's yeah. why we do the show because <laughs> sometimes yeah, we you have remove to the highlight fingerprints. It. No prints, no ID. Yeah, he's John Doe. The Joker was John Doe. Yeah, <laughs> uh huh. And he just wants his phone call. He just wants his phone call. But he knows how to use an RPG, and John Doe, right. I I don't know that he does. Well, it's kind of hard to shoot when you're holding groceries. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Although that one scene at the when he finally outruns him and then comes back and puts that gun to his head. That's that's so 1930s film noir. Mm. Like, it just the, the rain-drenched gun, the perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, it was it was like a, almost like Sin City. Yeah, it's very Frank Miller. Yeah. It's, it's what Frank mm-hmm. Miller uses from that era, from the you know early days of cinema, to inform his own works in the 80s and 90s. It's mm-hmm. all sharing that same DNA. And it's just super well shot. Like that, that may be my favorite scene in the movie as far as like technical delivery from the yeah. uh, cinematographer. Just the gun in frame, gun out of frame, and the, like the violence of it leaving. Oh man, really yeah. well and shot. And the shake, shaky camera in the hallways. Oh yeah. With the, yeah. the steady cam, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a good two and a half minutes of organized chaos. It's a heck of a cast, though. I mean, we, we shouldn't uh, neglect Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, before mm-hmm. she took up geology, um, <laughs> she she does she does the lines in this movie. She's yeah. not in it very much, which is a shame. 
because I can't really rate her performance, right? Like her most pivotal scene, she doesn't really provide a whole lot. Um, uh, I'm referring I'm, to the, I, the box. I think the subtleness. <laughs> I'm referring huh? to the box. The box, right? Yeah. Of the course. subtleness of her character it works though because it makes it. There's enough foreshadowing to what's going to happen. That you still don't expect it because she's just, she's not in it enough to where you're going to think she's going to be part of the plan. Yeah, that's but she's really, the integral part of the plan. It's like, a gutsy move for them to do to yeah, like to under feature her mm-hmm. to put her out of sight and out of mind for the audience. That's yeah, but they give move. her just enough to do, and she's like, he loves her. The, all that little banter they do, like, you know, he comes in the room and he, she calls him idiot and he calls her stupid. Like that, to me, I, I love that because that's the way my wife and I are. Like we we joke around like that and if people heard it on the outside, they'd be like, oh my God, what is wrong oh, with these I people? I thought it was because you are an idiot. No, well, she's she stupid. She is stupid ass. But, uh, <laughs> but we'll do this. It's like, because they were high school sweethearts. Like it's just that 17-year-old banter that just survives. And and you're aware of that too, because you're the same way with your wife. Yeah. So it's like they do a good job at showing his love for her, but almost like a it's unconditional and it's sweet, even though he's an asshole. <laughs> like it's a sweet somebody Yeah, I mean that's that's the whole you know, the whole thing about high school sweethearts. They've you know, these two people have uh grown they've together a lot they're not the same right. people that they were in, in high school mm-hmm. and they've you know grown together that's it's just it's just it's a weird thing that happens it's not weird it's awesome when that happens right to uh, which uh, opens two up people yeah somerset because he's so recluse it, and he's, he's so the opposite he's of the that. opposite of that like so. we said yeah he's the opposite yeah but they open him up which is good they give him hope because <laughs> he has zero hope in humanity but he sees them, they get him laughing. Like he, he yeah, kind of sees some normalcy time, in their at relationship. The time, I guess, yeah, yeah. sure. But I then don't, I don't think the events of the rest of the movie really no, gave him any hope at but all. I but I think they did it on purpose. Like yeah, everything's done on purpose. Absolutely, like the, the rain, like everything in this movie. When you're watching it, you're like, oh, okay. That once you watch the full movie, like it ends in sunshine. Mm-hmm. But the worst shit happens mm-hmm. in sunshine. Yeah, I love the metronome. At the very beginning mm. of the movie, during the cold open, um, just yeah, this, what that ticking? What's this, the deal with the metronome? So he's in this chaotic Pace. space that he doesn't like, right? And he's uh-huh. drowning out the sound of fighting and chaos with order, just tick, mm-hmm. tuck, tick, tuck, and he's literally like waiting on the moments to pass until he retires and is free. Right. So it's like this double thing. Where, mm. you know, he's shielding himself from the chaos of the world and giving himself, like, order. But also literally ticking away the last moments of this career that you can tell he's ready to be done with. Mm. Right. He's getting too old for this shit. He's getting too He's no country for <laughs> old men. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of overlap with his arc, you know, the Morgan Freeman arc with Tommy Lee Jones in No Country. Mm. Absolutely. Just with more mutilation and stuff. Yes. Ew. <laughs> they do a really good job with all that just the way like I mean Travis is making a face like of course duh <laughs> that I'm making like well, yeah. I'm gonna start a section in this 
an episode of instead of guns, 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 I'm be like acting, acting, acting. No, <laughs> like, no, I'm talking so about much... the gore, like, oh, okay. the yeah. gore, the effects. Well, it's you know, Rob Button, isn't the... it? I mean, it's like yes, the best. Besides, Botine, I think. Is it Botine? I don't know. Or how to say his name. I just see it. I think it's Botine. Sure. I I, Bo- I feel like they showed me just enough to gross me out. Well, you know him from the thing. Yes. And RoboCop. Like, for example, when they're in the, um, I guess the coroner's lab, mm-hmm. and the dude's like just holding up the stomach. <laughs> it's like you Which never just see like a, a real stomach. You never just see a stomach, right? Like outside of a body. As like <laughs> the detail on that body, <laughs> like yeah, the the all the incisions and mm-hmm. the stitching up, and then his nutsack and like. Like his kid, like that's a that's wait, not a real a, person wait, laying there. Was there. a nutsack? Yeah, like it's a fully anatomically correct I'm, dummy. Laying I missed there. the nutsack. Um, it it's it's weirdly beautiful. No, like the the that scene <laughs> when they when they when they go into that apartment <laughs> oh and you start looking as a special. <laughs> I love special effects. I love yeah, pra- of course, practical of course. effects. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about his nutsack. Oh, I thought he, I thought he, I thought even <laughs> oh. he had a beautiful nutsack, and I was just gonna love this moment when they go into that when they go into that room. It's a dark room, <laughs> but you're getting the detail from the flashlights. So you're mm-hmm. seeing gluttony. We'll call him, we won't call him the fat guy. Well, yeah. You're seeing gluttony laying there. And the more they hover over this body and they're picking, moving things around, like I'm looking at the detail, the veins around the, the, yeah, I think everyone's, and that the, hit everyone, like all in the, the eye. blemishes yeah. and like, like all the, there's so much detail on that body when you, when you see it laying there, you know that's a fake. That's not a real person. I don't know if that's, that's all makeup. True. That's a fat suit. It's not a person well, yeah, that yeah, looks yeah. like that. So the suit the actor is wearing is made to look ob- like obscenely obese right. and 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 like almost like breaking at the seams. Okay, yeah, okay. So what you're saying is on the outside. What's on the outside makeup. is not. Yeah, but then they take. That's a dark room, and it's lit by flashlights. But then the next time you see that guy, next time you see Gluttony, he's in a fluorescent bulb lit room mm-hmm. laying on a metal table and there's not a sheet over him. There's nothing to hide the detail of that dummy. So you're looking at it and you're like, holy, sh- that, that, the detail, like go back and look at it. I must not look ha- at his nuts. I have to. But like at like the toes, the, I mean, it's a fat suit. The toes, the, the bulbous feet, the elbows, the, the huge, like, veiny sacks. Like, that's all painted. You know what I liked when they showed you the picture? Like, it was way towards the end of the movie. They showed you, like, all the pictures he had uh, that uh, John Doe had in his apartment of mm-hmm. all these people that he was torturing or whatever. Um, He had them, like, he had his, like, feet tied together under mm-hmm. the chair. There's a picture of his feet. Yeah. It's like... Are you talking about the opening credits? Was it the opening credits? I think no, the opening credits I, has I, all kinds of photos and stuff. No, 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 no. This was this was when they raided his apartment. Oh, okay. And you see, you know, so the, he was taking souvenirs of his work. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm I'm just like with with the the level of gore, it, it wasn't too much where it was like too much. Right. Not believable. It was so disgusting, but so believable. Mm-hmm. It's like a Michael Crichton movie. Like <laughs> yeah. everything in it. Their scientific basis like, behind what they've done. It's, it's almost like, you know, how, like, you know, things, the most scary things are the things that are real. Right. You know, the things that could actually happen. Like, those are the most yeah. scary Look at things. The sloth scene. 
I holy shit. Yeah, so good. That's some of the best makeup work I've ever seen. Like he's laying there. He's, it's almost like Greg Nicotero uh, was inspired by this movie to make every zombie he's ever made since then. Like, yeah, that's the a one hundred percent like animated thing, though, right? Like that's not what, a dude in a suit. The the uh, sloth. That's got to be just a. When he's laying there, a that practical might be effect. A, that I don't think that. Practical. I don't think that's but, a dude. But he does move. Yeah, he's, but he's. I mean, they move in the thing too. I think that's Rob Botton. I think he got you, Rob Botin. I don't know. I think it's Botton. I'm gonna go with Botton. It might be. It might be Botton. We'll go with Botton. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Rob Friend Botton. of the show. Rob Botton. Because <laughs> the actor playing that part Robo could be thin Cop enough Botin. to do that. They Maybe. do it in Pet Cemetery think, too. There's I, a I, let's see. Does does um does Sloth have a have a uh, well, I have a whole entry. second disc in my set that I can pop in and probably find out if it's a if it's a, an actor in a suit or if it's. I think it's an actor in a suit. I think it's a, an effect, just like in right. Life Force, that skeleton guy. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So in the uh, but that looked puppeteer. In the this cr- does not look puppeteer. in the credits. People, uh, the credits roll as like in order of appearance, right? Mm-hmm. So there's the gluttony victim, Bob Mack. Shout out to Bob Mack. Mm. Um, uh, greed. No, let's keep going. Sloth victim, Reed McKay. Mac McKay. Michael Reed McKay. Oh, Michael Reed, Michael Reed McKay. McKay. So there was an actual person playing Sloth at some point, but the, there's a man in the pictures. Yeah, that's and when you look at those pictures. Ah. When you look at those pictures and you get to like the last three, they're disturbing. Like he's literally looking at it and he's like yeah, he he's got he almost looked like Mrs. Bates at the end of Psycho. Like he's got his lips are so shriveled. He's mm. it, it, like it's amazing. It was Whether actually it's a dummy they, or not. If they did a sequel to Machinist, I think that's where we'd end up with Christian Bale. <laughs> okay. He's like the next yes. the next level yes. uh, after Machinist was was Sloth. Yeah, didn't he lose like 180 pounds? Oh, it was too much. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. But I'm going to look it up. Uh, it it does it's irrelevant because whether it's practical or if it's an actor wearing a uh, appliances, it's still freaking amazing. See, now, it's a I hell of a gag. Had, uh, I thought you had well, I guess I guess not. I was I was just thinking that I thought you had to like actually say something to have like, your name in the credits, but no, no. And so he doesn't say Michael a lot. Reed, Michael Reed McKay. Yeah, but he like he like he, moves he and sh- makes a noise. Shrieks. Yeah. Um. But you're saying you you think that Michael Reed McKay is just the guy in the pictures and not the uh... well. If if that thing is is a is a, a prop, then yes, he's the guy in the pictures, and that's why he's got credit. I think they got a thin actor to play. I think it's somebody wearing an appli- a latex appliance suit. And it Much could be that he was like thought. doing a Savini, you know, where it's like the body yeah. is above and it's just yeah, a head the head stuck through a it? table. Yeah. The, the, body, whatever, the way whatever. the body moved, it just reminded me of Life Force. All right, so lot. check this out. Whatever is going on in that scene, it works amazing because we don't know what the fuck <laughs> right, they right. were doing it's, in that scene. It's so. like Jurassic Park. W- w- at what point is that an animatronic dinosaur? Exactly. We don't know. We, yeah, <laughs> and that and that is uh, hats off to uh, 
to friend of the and show. And that's when we're introduced uh, to uh, California, who's the botanist. John McGinn. Is it McGinley? John. McGinley. He's like one of my favorite character actors. He's he's all over the place. Oh, Doctor Cox from Shrub Scrubs. From uh, Scrubs, yeah. Shrubs. I'm so tired. He, from Shrubs. Shrubs. But <laughs> when this movie came out, he be he, he became. There's a character in I think The Fugitive. Uh, he's the one who makes up the word hinky. In The Fugitive, George hasn't seen it yet. But, no, uh, oh, we gotta watch The Fugitive. We have to watch it. But there's a character in that movie. He played Jay Leno in the in the late night wars movie for HBO. Like he's he's a comedian. He's been around forever. You see him in all kinds of movies. But he plays this character in The Fugitive, where you're like, okay, he's only on the screen for maybe five minutes total, but everything he says is great. Yeah, that's the way McKinley is. McKinley is in everything he does. So when he's in this movie, he's not really doing much verbally, but he's so good. Even if he's playing like cop A yeah. or helicopter pilot B, like you know he's gonna put it in one hundred ten percent. He eventually became a, a like a a big actor where he's like actually in movies and is like billed. But this was early. So I'm looking at these credits and um, Victor Sloth appears before. John Doe. John Doe. Do you remember when John Doe appeared first? Uh, well, I believe it was as the reporter. Yes. And that was a, a detail that I had forgot hmm. because when I saw the reporter this time, I You're thought... You looking out for him. No, I no. Was, not that I was looking out for him. I just had the thought. I was like, holy shit, was that? No. Like well, they tell you later by the developed well, pictures in the house, exactly. Right? And then mm-hmm. they then you know when they're raiding the apartment and the pictures and says we had him. He was a reporter, blah blah blah. blah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally for- mm-hmm. forgot about that. Again, foreshadowing because at the end he says, you know how easy it is for the person of the yeah, press to get your exactly, which Freeman says directly at that yep. scene. He's like, you know, they pay good money. What's yep. funny with this movie is Kevin speaking. He who shall not be named. <laughs> we can say Kevin Spacey. Right, you Kevin can say Spacey. his name. He sucks, but you can say his name. <laughs> as a person, he sucks. As an actor, he's phenomenal. Yeah. Which is probably why he sucks as a person. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a psychopath. Yeah. Right. Um, this movie came out the same year that Usual Suspects came out. Mm-hmm. The very same year. In both movies, he was a nobody. Mm-hmm. And in two movies in the same year, he becomes... The it guy, because of these little Hannibal Lecter type scene, scenes that he has, because it is it's, it's like Hannibal Lecter. He's only 100%. technically on screen for what twelve minutes. Well, he yeah. he combines Hannibal Lecter with Buffalo Bill though, because you yes. get the exploration of his house, the very Ed Gein psycho Texas Chainsaw Massacre like line of creepy places full mm-hmm. of like dead people and smells. This movie just picks up and keeps that ball rolling. But you also get the Norman Bates. But you also get get Norman Norman Bates Bates moment. And you get the Hannibal. Oh, man. It's a Mm -hmm. heck of a performance. Yeah, the the scene in the car when they're driving to the spot is so Norman Bates. I could watch that for two hours. Oh, my God. If the whole movie was that, I'd be... I'm on board. (laughs) Now, did you catch, George, the very, very intentional choice from the director and the cinematographer... In the cop car. Do you know what I'm referencing? 
I haven't given you enough yet, but I'm just asking. <laughs> the Do I know what you're referencing? Very intentional. Every shot no. of Brad Pitt and every shot of he who shall not be named. Oh, yes, it says, hold on, before you say it. <laughs> it's from the other side of the grate. Exactly. But every time yeah, they yeah. show Morgan Freeman. It's not. It's not. It's not. So it's yeah. that thing where it's like, you know, I'm not trapped in this car with you. You're trapped in this car with me. Kind of mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. they share a similar cage and fate. Again. And like, it also foreshadows the end. Again. Yeah. It's, it's silence of the lambs. Yeah. With the plexiglass. With the plexiglass. Uh-huh. But if you think about it, the final, the one of the final shots in this movie is Brad Pitt in the backseat of a police car behind the cage. Just like yeah. the Joker in those last two movies yeah. we watched. Guys, it all connects. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Good night. <laughs> I love when he says, you're no messiah. You're a movie of the week. You're a fucking t-shirt. Like I, I that That's a great line. <laughs> oh, did you and guys catch said, too? Uh, we had Merchant of Venice pop up. Uh, so we've got Shakespeare in here too. I'm pretty sure this is a prequel to the Nolan trilogy. <laughs> It's yeah, all here. It's all here. And and it's in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> that that made me feel smart because Merchant of Venice is the only Shakespeare that I there read you go. Uh, in high school. And, and I so thought of that like, when I was watching Seven. I was like, oh, George will know that one. It was the, the Pound of Flesh. I'm like, oh, I know that's mm. from here. And he's like, yeah, Mer- Merchant of Venice. And I was like, I knew that. I'm so smart. I own two copies smart. of Dante's Inferno and the Chaucer Tales. Because of this movie, I'm do you like, find yourself compulsively buying copies of those books no. every time you find them at a store? Because if no. you do, I've got the movie for you. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> on an FBI list for sure. No, but for some reason, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to read these." So when I saw them at a like flea market or whatever, I was like, "Oh, I'll buy it." So I have a copy of each of those. I never sat and freaking read them. I can get the cliff notes, like like <laughs> like Mills. Oh, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, shout out to Cliff's Notes. Yeah, make some sound. Make make an appearance in this movie. They're not in the credits, but they're there. That's a big thing in the nineties. Well, we just had this conversation when we were watching uh, Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar. Caesar, Yeah, that I literally paused the movie and read the Cliff Notes. (laughs) It all. What the hell is going on here? (laughs) Just because the son of a bitch has a library card doesn't make him Yoda. Uh, he shoot. does have some of the best lines in this movie. Yeah, I mean, dude, I I have no complaints, man. He's a nutbag. <laughs> I have no complaints. The only thing I thought was, um, you know, the whole the way they set up the way they set up the ending, and I know that there's no there's no realistic way to get John Doe and these two detectives in a field by themselves you know what i mean there's there's no situation in real life when that would happen there is they could have i mean the whole taking them to see the body but there would have been there would have been more people going john doe he had way too much power there right Uh, it depends if he's if he's playing enough of the game and because they kind of set that up in the room with the lawyer where he's like he will show you where the bodies are that's actually pretty common practice to take yeah, that happens. out to show but you where they the body. But he has to go with you. That's that's not uncommon. And the, and the fact that they had the helicopter trailing behind, like he didn't ever say to them, "Show up with," but don't bring any cops. Like that's always in a movie, you know, be there, but yeah, don't right. have any cops with you. But well, this, it, it's a common thing for the criminal to lead 
the authorities to a body and be there. It's not really common. So what I was thinking was his leverage on the cops to com- you know to complete his mission mm-hmm. or whatever his uh his work was that well if you if you don't just do everything I said I'll just plead insane mm-hmm. and get off. It's like that's not like he could. I Have mean you, you could try. Go ahead and try. Off. Would he get off though? Like he I can, think so. Like, they're not going to release yeah. a, an insane release person. Not, that's, but he would get off. He would sure. He, he would, would go to a hospital. He wouldn't go to absolutely. A jail. Yeah, but it's, it's the same thing. But in the yeah. end, they could get out of a hospital. I don't know. And the only thing that was the savior was that at the scene, they reported that it was the the girl with the face cut off. Her blood, mm-hmm. and then, John Doe's blood, and the blood of a third person. Right. As yet unidentified. Yes. And so that was the only thing where it was just like, okay, all right, you you drug me along, f- fine, let's go. Now, like, he did leave there's enough two bodies. There. <laughs> I, I understand that, but I thought it was, I just felt it was like, it, just, it was just icky. And a dead dog. At the end, yeah, he's, I, I didn't, didn't do that. that one. I didn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> um, I just, I don't know. Hey, by the way, Arlie Ermy is in this movie, and you hardly oh notice God. it because Who? he's he's not playing himself for right. once. Although a few times he does. Uh, this, this is, is not even my, my desk. desk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so good. Wait. Work on it. <laughs> <laughs> Let talking? me see your war Who face. Are you talking about <laughs> the the captain. Is, oh yeah, 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 is yeah, yeah. the drill sergeant yes, from uh, yes, Full yes, Metal yes, Jacket? Yes, 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 yes. And he has one little moment where he—I was waiting for him to say "Private Pile." <laughs> yeah, the this is not even my desk line. Yeah, <laughs> made me that's laugh a, out loud. That's so. That's good. a Jay Jonah Jameson moment. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, when yeah. he picks up the phone. This is not even my desk. <laughs> so good. Uh, <laughs> and guys, uh, Full Metal Jacket we talked about with Dark Knight Rises with the Joker from Full Metal Jacket. Mm. All these movies are in the same interconnected discussion and it kind of blows my mind I don't know why Mm. they're just so Hmm. close to each other I'm going to have to watch it again see if I can find anything else I I wasn't looking for Batman (laughs) connections I was looking more I'm always looking for Batman connections yeah I know got bat brain these days guys (laughs) someone's got bats on the brain Batman forever What kind of a man has bats on the brain? Tommy Lee Jones. Which connects back to No Country for (laughs) Old Men and the Fugitive Guys. It's all one. It's there. It's all, I mean, these are movies that exist in the world. That's why they connect. Because we're in the world with the movies. I did have another uh, Hannibal Lecter feel, too, when he was in the library and they were playing that classical music. I was just like, wow. Because when he's looking for, like, it yeah. was totally, totally a Hannibal Lecter moment. Well, and we shouldn't overlook the fact that this movie comes out in the shadow of that movie. I mean, this right. is the post Silence of the Lambs wave. So this movie does a lot more. Seven does a lot more with it, with the opportunity than, than a lot of these movies, right? Like, Backdraft, I'm looking at you, you know, like, <laughs> mm. uh, uh, ugh. Ugh. but. 
Sorry, George, we're not watching Backdraft anytime soon. No, we're not watching Backdraft. But, you know, a lot of movies came okay. out that were influenced by the success of Silence of the Lambs, and this one is one of those movies, but it carves its own path pretty well. There is a movie that I think we should watch that kind of, I don't know what year, I guess it was like 97. Um, it's called Primal Fear. I think you've brought that up before. Yeah, but I'm not sure if George has seen Primal Fear. I've heard of this movie. Uh, it's Rich- Richard Gere, plays a lawyer. Richard Gere? Yeah. I thought your wife actually has seen it, so you probably have seen it. But I don't think Dan has. Hold on a second. I don't think I have, no. So that might be a good... Uh, not a follow-up to this, but something we should probably watch at some point. It's. I wouldn't say it's as much of a masterpiece, but it's as good of a movie. Primal. If that makes fear. sense. No. No. It's got a a very young Edward Norton in it before Fight Club. And the Hulk. And I the didn't Hulk. even like Fight Club. Uh, I, I'm not. It's not the kind of movie I watch over and over again. I, I won't say I enjoyed it. I thought right. it was a good. I didn't movie. like it at all. But it was a. It's not a, a. It's not a rewatch for me. Not at all. But David Fincher also did the game, which is a movie I brought up that we need to watch at some point. And well. I bought that because I know we'll watch it at some point. Yeah. So I have it here. I haven't watched it yet. But I know it's go. it's around. So coming up next week, guys, I think we ought to keep our hands in the. Uh, not our hands. That sounds gross. I think we had a, coming up next week. I think we got to stay in kind of the same ballpark. We uh, should keep our balls <laughs> in the beautiful nut sacks. Yeah, so <laughs> we should beautiful. keep our nut sacks. That was a beautiful nut sack. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back right now and watch that, dude. I'm telling you, the the craftsmanship on that that autopsy dude, scene. Dude, we need a Patreon for this ridiculous. kind of shit. It's ridiculous. I'm going back. It's going slow as shit, but I'm going. Well, while George is on a quest for the beautiful nutsack, uh, we'll just tell you that next week, George and Travis are going to venture out into the world, sit their butts in a theater, and watch The Batman. Well, I'm excited because I wanted to see it, and I want to see it because it hasn't been ruined Mm. for me. I don't know if there's anything worth. There's really no spoilers in it to. Oh, I would have been so mad if people had spoiled certain things for me. I I watched it last night, and it is. It's yeah, going to so, be something to talk about next week, so I'm not going to say anything else because I don't yeah. want to take anything away. So I, I only have to avoid uh, you know, people for another week. And... You can continue to avoid people. That's fine. But yeah, After I mean, that. There's so many benefits to yeah, avoiding I, people. Yeah, I probably will anyway. <laughs> but yeah. Cool. But with that, thank you for joining us on the Remedial Film Class Podcast. As always, you can find us at facebook.com slash remedialfilmpod. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Remedial Film Pod. We'll see you back here next week for The Batman. Uh, something tells me we did not talk about this movie enough. <laughs> I don't know what we're missing, but I know uh, later on. The we're thing about like... Seven is it's so good that mm. there's not nothing to complain about. And we've already right. sung the praises of all the actors. So what else There's are you gonna to do? Fix. Just nothing to fix. Boy, it sure was good. Let's watch it again. Like it's just turn like, it on again and watch it from the beginning. Like I guess we can discuss if if John Doe was sitting in the diner and overheard them talking about the baby. Was he? 
I don't know. That's one of the things that was like a a, a controversial discussion. Oh, see that should that's that's one of those things that is like the James Gum perfect amount yeah. of ambiguity because he could easily mm-hmm. hear you know she could mention it while he's trying to kill her or well he she, could find he, a pregnancy test did. or you know there's a lot of things that she, well here's the thing that the she only thing that for the life of the unborn right, child right that's 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 the thing she apparently the only way that John Doe would know that what's his name's wife was uh pregnant is that she begged for the life of her unborn child mm-hmm. when he killed her okay and at least that's what John Doe said right and so you can take it for what it is but he he's is not a psychopath a narrator right right um so take it for what it is but he knew right so he figured out somehow maybe we don't know how and right. he also knew that Morgan Freeman knew. Right. How did he know that? That, That is what made us discuss this back when the original podcast happened in the parking lot of the movie theater <laughs> after watching this movie. <laughs> yeah. We were like, well, did he find, was he said, because they established throughout the movie that he was kind of a stalker of Mills. Otherwise, he wouldn't know that he's a freaking head case. So was he following her and was he sitting in that diner when those two were talking because yes you're right she pleaded for the life of her unborn child uh, uh, but allegedly, he used, he to used that information to piss him off mm-hmm. and send him over the edge so did he really find out that information when he knew that Morgan Freeman knew I don't know that he knew that Morgan Freeman knew I'd have to go back and review it he definitely it. did he How looks does he right definitely... at him because he didn't know he looks right at Morgan Freeman. He doesn't. Yeah, he in a doesn't, sarcastic way and says he didn't know. Yeah, but he could say that whether or not Morgan Freeman knew because he's so tickled that he told him something he didn't already know. Like know, if he's working, he said it. It's purposely no, done. That. He said it in I a didn't way read it that way, boys. This is a James Gunn moment. <laughs> I did. I read it that way. He I always it, read it that way. He said it in a way that this is something me and you know, and he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He yeah. said and it in that way. What, if you read it that way, but I. Mm, We'll have to, okay, put a big old pin in this conversation for <laughs> next week's episode. Dan and Post. No, for Oof. next week's episode, Travis, you'll know what I'm talking about, maybe. Right. right put a right, pin right. in it. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I know what you're talking about. Put a pin in it. Big old Hold pin. Hold on. I've I've almost got back to the autopsy Well, scene. you have to understand that if there's so much in this movie that's done on purpose, like the rain being torrential on Monday and slowly the sun coming out throughout the week, All right. that's a detail that that Fincher did. Uh, to me, if you're going to put that much detail into the story that you're going to tell a story about the weather becoming clear right before the entire world collapses on Mills, then that little tilt of the head, sarcastic, he didn't know. Hi, this is Dan in Post. It seems we've stumbled upon another windy theory because if a director does a lot of things intentionally, then anything you make up must also be the intention of the director, guys. <sighs> anyway, back to the show. Put it, put a pin in this because we're gonna watch the autopsy scene for the fantastic for nutsack the, for the nutsack, yeah. And then we're gonna go back to, then we're gonna go to the diner. We're Tarantinoing this. Movie. We're gonna go to the <laughs> diner and see if if he's there at all. Right. And then we're gonna go to the scene where he says he didn't know, and we're gonna make a a decision right now. <laughs> so here's uh. Autopsy, and you said which which character? Look at that shit. All right, right so there. which character was the one that you were gushing about? Huh? This guy. 
McGinley or something? Oh, he's in the sloth scene, I think is the first time you see him. Oh, okay. He, he runs the FBI uh, force group, the, the the SWAT guys. No, I thought you said that they were... Okay, never mind. I thought... I, all right. No, it's two different scenes we're talking about. There's a... Uh, oh, my There's gosh. Nutsack. <laughs> Purple body. That's not a real body. That's that's a makeup on a person, or it's just a dummy. But it's it's phenomenal. Not the nutsack, the the makeup. <laughs> All right. Actually, today was the first time I noticed that there was actual nutsack. I didn't notice nutsack. Or the, last night when I watched it. The I wonders know. of high definition, guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, I mean, it's there. It's not hidden. But I... Wait, you already you blew past all the good stuff. What good stuff? They walk around that body and they show some, they just show a lot of detail. But oh, you can I watch just, it later. I just in, wanted to in, see in your the nutsack. You're in free time. All right, let's <laughs> let's go back. Hold go on. Go back because they do a crotch shot <laughs> over the shoulder of I think Mills when he's talking. You can see the taint. They do a crotch and the nuts. shot. Yeah, it's like a taint. Dan, sh- you're taint. gonna put all this in the episode, right? It's a taint shot. <laughs> this is the after credits. I'm leaving all this. Is okay. this is this the week that we start a Patreon? <laughs> There's the fat toes, taint shot. There is so much detail. There's a bag of stomach. <laughs> this guy has way too much information. I love it. He he reminds me of the doctor in a. Oh, what was that show? We we brought it up in the show. How he like had so much expose. That you're like you have to have the doctor talk this way because no one else talks this way. Why hadn't they put the menthol on their upper lip yet? I don't know. All right, never mind. Let's keep going. I did love the apartment full of car air fresheners. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. Oh, I have a, f- a funny story about that. Dan, are you familiar with the a- Opie and Anthony show? I'm radio aware sh- that it exists, show? but I've never listened to it. Okay. So I used to call into that show a lot. I was a regular caller. And... uh they did an episode where they visited Jim Norton, who's a stand-up comedian. They visited Jim Norton's apartment in New York City. And uh, <laughs> they did it on camera. And they were talking about how it was like a serial killer's apartment and the <laughs> stuff that was in there. <laughs> and I te- did I text or that email? This was before Twitter. can't remember how I sent them the message, but they read it on over the air where I was like, is there... Is there a thousand air fresheners hanging from the ceiling or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and they're like, Travis from, uh, I think I said uh, New Jersey. Travis from New Jersey wants to know if there's a thousand air fresheners hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> so funny. All right, What's so in the box? Diner scene coming up. I, just so you know, I've watched the scene multiple times to see if I could see his head or his face. There he is. He's cooking eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried to look at every person sitting in there to see if it's him because there's no other way that he knows. I don't okay, think so he knows, man. That I think Freeman that he's, knows. he's so happy with himself for having broken this news. And instead of saying that to Brad Pitt, who is devastated, he says it to the straight man in the conversation. Like, mm. oh, look what I just did to your partner. I just told him a secret. He doesn't have to know that Morgan Freeman already knows. So, Travis, you've done this already and you did not see. Oh, there's a bald guy. That is a bald guy, but he's sitting with somebody and talking to her. So yeah, that's true. Him. I was trying to see if there was like a guy sitting right behind her that had like a hat on or something. 
you know that that Ninja Turtles disguise <laughs> yeah. that he had as a as a reporter. He's not going to pop up. All right. Well, I'm going to move on since you've already done this I've research. Done this. It's I I trust. I you. just know that 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 that's a loaded line. It's just a loaded line. All right, and very. But last, I understand what Dan's saying, but I'm just saying it, it, it's for 25 years. It's 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 burdened me. <laughs> Well, we need to get Mr. Fincher on the line. Yeah, we need to get him. And ask him about that line. It ranks up there with my question for John Landis about her collecting American memorabilia. What was the question about that? Was David part of that collection? Yeah, no, I totally buy that. Yeah, no, that's that's legit. Yeah, you nailed that one. Absolutely. But then that kind of cheapens her... Like motives, like did she fall in love with him, or is she just collecting them? No, it doesn't. That's what she's into. She brought him home because f- he's exactly what she was looking for. I collect mm. guitars, and I love them. Here we go. We're in the desert. There's that was the weirdest part of the man. scene: is the, the the truck in the middle of nowhere driving out there to deliver a box. Paid him five hundred bucks, man. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, a hundred years ago, him? he was like, "You got to bring this Western Union telegram to this exact spot and hand it to a kid." And a... <laughs> right, <laughs> Doc. <laughs> He's uh okay. Now the scene's over, but we're. I love when he says here. Shut the fuck up, you piece of shit. <laughs> that is great. Hold on, so let's go good. back a little bit just so that we can get that part. I'll take all the overacting in the beginning just to get me to that point from him. It's Because he is after, consistent. It's definitely after this. Hold on. He's going to retrieve the package. Oh, wait. Christian Bale was the delivery guy. Was he really? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great casting. That would have been great. Morgan Freeman is so good in this freaking movie. I just... Just the little things he does. This? Just like everything. Like, it, it, it's so calculated, everything he's doing. Like, there's the shit on the page, and then there's the shit the actor does. It is some of Gwyneth Paltrow's best acting, is that scene. <laughs> From the inside <laughs> of the box that you don't see? That's what I mean, I'm saying. They look, show look you how he plays against They it. show you just <laughs> enough. All right, so this is, this is what I'm saying about the effects and everything. Like, you don't see Gwyneth Paltrow's head. But you see it in your head. Right, mm-hmm. you see it in your head. Also, they did show you earlier in the movie, like you know, pages from inside books that he's looking at, where like there's a dude holding his own head mm-hmm. out. You know, like the that illustration. I forget what book it was from. And then like you see in the in the lawyer's office, there's like it's basically like a reverse bust mm-hmm. that's like a statue with no arms and no head. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's like headless shit all through that throughout yeah. this whole movie. All right, let's keep going. But they don't show you the head. No, they don't. They could have. If Rob Zombie did this right. movie, he would have pulled that head right, out. Right, but they did not. Yeah. They showed Didn't you the to. fat guy on the gurney. They did not show you, or the table. They did not show you the head. They showed, you saw, they showed just, his they head. They just showed the perfect <laughs> amount of shit. Let's just keep going. We saw his nutsack. Now, do you know, in my recollection, I kept trying to think, what sin did Gwyneth Paltrow's character have? None. And none. she has none. Guys, that like adds so much. And I, I don't know why I had forgotten that. But yeah, it adds so much sinister nature to that final kill. Yeah. Like that guy yeah. who shall not be named 
plays a really evil bad guy. But it, yeah, and it makes sense. Like people are like, well, she didn't. She, why did she have to die? She wasn't part of the the story. Mm-hmm. His his goal, and it's like, but she had to die to get there. If she doesn't die, he doesn't go wrath. He doesn't go she, vengeance. She didn't die for any of her sins. Right. She died for she his She died sins. for his. Guys, yeah. she died in the chaos of life, and it was her death that led to the downfall of our hero and white knight, Mills, as he uh, is taken shit. down by the Joker from the Dark Knight, leaving only our Dark Knight, Morgan Freeman, who is already cynical. To be the last man standing. Actually, this very scene here is the three. It's the it's the second triumvirate. There you go. S- standing there. I mean, that's essentially <laughs> the same thing, guys. <laughs> this is the Dark Knight. <laughs> the Dark Knight. Right, here is this. we. Okay. Go. We we came to this scene for a specific line. Yes, we haven't we gotten did. to it yet. We haven't gotten to it yet. John Doe has the upper hand. I love how Freeman throws his gun away. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, he's like it's point. It's over. It's done. I don't need this. I think Freeman's also trying to avoid the wrath of Brad Pitt, mm. reduce his own threatening posture. Yes, and that oh god scene. That's good stuff. Oh yeah, Ugh, I'm sorry. He doesn't have to know. He doesn't have to I know. I know, but I'm reading it that way. That you, is you such can, a you can. You can read it that way by adding to the scene, right? You can add that to, but if you're going strictly by the evidence presented, there is no affirmative evidence that he knew that Morgan Freeman knew already. So it might make it better for you to think it that way. Uh, It's not presented in a way that you can 100% prove that it isn't the case, you know, but there's no affirmative evidence that he knows that Morgan Freeman knows. Just like there's no affirmative evidence that James Gum is the son Ex- of that dead lady. Okay, see, so hold on. So hold on. There is a little teeny <laughs> tiny. There's a teeny tiny bit of evidence that John Doe knows that Morgan Freeman knows. What's that? It comes just after John Doe delivers the line about the unborn child, because up until that point, Freeman doesn't touch him doesn't and he he does tell him to shut up right twice but when he's delivering the line you know and the life of your unborn he smacks him right like a shut up right like, yeah like double shut up right so maybe that was the cue that told john doe that, that know. morgan knows and then it's just like the Joker saying, I almost thought you were Dent, and does Dent know about you and his main squeeze, right? I mean, we're back to the Dark Knight again, guys. Again, like Dan said, I can buy that as well. But I'm just going by my 24 years of just <laughs> Hope and thinking. dreams, I get it. Hope and dreams. Dude. Listen, I've always known that Mrs. Lipman's son <laughs> is Jane Gum. <laughs> and you've always known that... Or Jack, John Doe, Jack, Jack John Gordon. Doe is in it's that diner. Jack Gordon. And you've always Jane known that John guy. Carpenter created Halloween out of whole cloth and is the master of horror. <laughs> so why would we do anything to corrupt your values? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to get somebody on the phone. 
I might have to uh, find the original script and see if it says it in there. Because I'm assuming the stage direction for John Doe would tell you what that look is. That yeah. would be wor- that'd you. be a worthy bit of homework. Yeah, do that yeah. and report back next okay. week. <laughs>